Uh, good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast. Andrew Crow's my name, and we're recording live from the World of Drones and Robotics Congress here in uh, sunny Brisbane today. Uh, and today I'm really excited that we're going to have a chat to one of our uh, leading emergency service agencies here in, uh, in Queensland, uh, Queensland Fire and Emergency Services. Everyone loves the fireys, and uh, I'm really excited here to have uh, Martin Gibson, or Marty Gibson here, uh, to talk about some of the stuff they're doing with drones. Welcome, Marty. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm really keen to, uh, to talk about some of the stuff you guys are doing, uh, both with drones and, and how you're using them to keep people safe and, and help our communities, etc. Before we dive into that, um, I've, I've got a bit of a, a QFES background. My, my father-in-law was a 40-year fiery. My brother-in-law is currently in the fire. He's in his Swiftwater Rescue. So I'm really passionate about how you know you guys are using drones and how we can use them to not only keep your fiery safe, but also keep, obviously, our community safe and respond more quickly. Yep. Before we get into that, though, what's your background? You, you've obviously been in the fires for a little while. Uh, yeah, I have, actually. I've been uh, an employee of uh, Queensland Fire and Emergency Services, QFES, yep. um, oh, since July 2011. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a long haul in terms ten of... Ten years? Yeah, ten years. Long uh, service? In the, same, in the same area, yeah. Long service has kicked in, finally. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I, I started off uh, in the Air Operations Unit back then. Oh, right. Um, as the, uh, the same rank as my, uh, my colleague that's floating around. Uh, and... Yeah, effectively, uh, it's just been working through that. So I guess it's it's been a variety of things. We we look after the whole of aviation for mm. QFES. So it's a it's a small team. Uh, I'm the uh, the executive manager for that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and, I just moved uh, the mic up a little bit there. No, you're right. Um, so yeah, I suppose I've I've been managing the unit since 2015 and uh, working to, I guess, progress aviation, trying to get better understanding out there, better capabilities, yep. um, more capabilities, all those kind of things. So, yeah, and I mean, I've been in pretty much aviation since I started my career. Um, right. I have a uh, degree in aeronautical engineering back oh, in wow. Sydney Uni and then okay. uh, moved up to, uh, to Queensland in 2006 to yep. work for Boeing. I was doing stuff there, worked for Australian Aerospace um, and then uh, ended up doing a Bachelor of Science in Aviation to, I guess, further my aviation knowledge. Yep. Uh, and then an opportunity for QFAS came up, so yeah, dove dove right in. Straight into it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great. really interesting background coming from a, a real engineering background and mm. now, you know, applying that really practically. When you talk about um, aviation or rare assets for QFAS, what, mm. what do you what do you guys got? What are you using in the in that area? So drones are obviously part of it. Yep. Um, and I suppose uh, we've we've got a couple of different mechanisms of using aircraft. So um, predominantly QFAS doesn't own any aircraft? Yep. All right. You might hear about the QG Air rescue machines and, and everything, yep. but uh, they're, I guess, a Queensland government asset. But QFES doesn't really tap into them much because they're very specialised with aeromedical and all of those kind of things. So yeah. um, we then utilise uh, commercial operators. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll have contracts with them through the National Aerial Firefighting Centre, mm-hmm. uh, as well as we have a, a standing offer arrangement for call when needed. Yep. So, and as the name implies, it's you call, call when, when you needed. needed. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. So, um, uh, but they also. F- Form pretty much the the bulk of our fleet. So we have ten NAFSI contracted aircraft. But then, you know, during the 2019 into 20 uh, bushfires that were happening up here, as well as uh, all across the rest of the country, yeah, we um, uh, I think at some particular point we had 60 odd aircraft airborne at one time. Okay. So you know that includes the the ten that we had. Yeah. And then everybody else was uh, commercial operators. So they they vary in size, shape capability, um, the, the beauty of aircraft being multi-role, mm. yeah, you transition them from 
one thing to another fairly quickly. So, and, and you won't always just support fires, will you? So you, you? Would you provide sort of support to um, things like floods and, and other disasters as well? It's not only sort of fire, fire activities? Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. I guess uh, the, the bonus of aviation, as I said, with multi-role, like they, they, we can transition to mm. um, a, a support capability for, for transport, for rescue, for winching, for those kind of things. We have plenty of operators with winch-capable aircraft and and crewmen alike so mm. um, and just recently with all the rain that we've had yep. um, there's been lots of instances of uh, localised flooding flash water uh, flash flash flooding you yep. know, rising river water and everything like that and we've had an aircraft sitting at Toowoomba that's been oh, ready right. to go for moving a swift water team and it's motorised craft for just waiting waiting for something to do. And there's been a bit of rain. There's, there's been, been a, a bit of rain. <laughs> a bit of rain. I spent the last five days uh, doing some Army Reserve work. We went up at Wide Bay, and uh, I think we got 40 or 50 mils overnight up there. That would on, have been quite on, pleasant for you. It, yeah. was, uh, it was fun, but, yeah, it was cold and wet at, at certain points of the night, that's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when we, when we talk about uh, QFES Air, where are you actually physically located? Uh, my team's located in Kedron, the okay. emergency services complex there, but we, we look after assets all, yep. across, uh, all across Queensland. Our, our main bases for the NAFSI fleet uh, are located at Toowoomba and Bundaberg. That's where we've got our large air tanker. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's basically a Queensland-wide capability, um, and, and we as the, the state unit to coordinate and support the regions for it, we locate ourselves in the, in the emergency services complex here in Brisbane. And that's uh, and I was recently out there actually at the State Disaster Coordination Centre. Yep. And as I understand it, I think you've got um, the the operations centre for QFAS is, is just in the room next door Correct, to the SDCC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the State Operations Centre. So that that's uh, it. Yep. That becomes the the I guess knowledge hub for what's happening across the state and a and a support mechanism for for the regions and the, the QFAS personnel that are out there. And so then when, when things turn pear-shaped properly and, and we have large fires and large floods and other bits and pieces... Um, <laughs> it's one as, way of putting it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a simple way of putting yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you'll stand up an air desk in, in that State Operations Centre, will you? And is that how you coordinate the air to, for, for those types of disasters? Funnily enough, the air desk is running 24-7. Oh, right. So, okay. uh, I have somebody on call. I've, I've just come off call and I've transferred it to, uh, to another colleague within my team. Um, so we have a 24-7, 365, 366 day yep. um, on-call, call uh, yeah, state air desk that, uh, that coordinates these assets. So when the SOC stands up, we will typically position ourselves within that room. Mm. Um, we have an area that, um, um, that, that we can coordinate from as well as be able to shut the door. So when we're having noisy conversations about <laughs> trying to get aircraft moving, we're not disturbing the rest of the room. But... Um, uh, yeah, we will position ourselves in there and then from an on-call rostering perspective, whoever's on call will be leading that room mm. and we'll, we'll provide them support people to you know, follow up the paperwork, um, you know, follow up the phone calls, get all the, the, the bits and pieces of communication and reporting happening. Okay, and I'm really intrigued by this whole air desk and how we manage airspace. My background being Army and I spent some time in the Middle East flying and um, I know airspace management is difficult, uh, but, it, but, it, but we can achieve you know, good, you know, safe airspace management. Do you, does QFES then manage the whole airspace for these sort of disasters? No, uh, no, no, no. So bushfires, uh, there is um, direction out there from both air services and CASA about staying away from bushfires because there could be bombing aircraft yep. lurking within the smoke. Yep. Uh, which is very, very true. Mm. Um, it doesn't happen every time because aircraft don't have to necessarily go to every job. Yep. Uh, it just depends on the circumstances. And um, uh, we're a support network okay. when you think about it. So aviation doesn't put out fires. Mm. Whichever way you want to look at it, aviation doesn't put out fires. We could probably take out a fair chunk of it, but we can't. We're, we're not 
able to confidently 100% say that aircraft can put out fires. Yep. So with that in mind, um, we're a support network for the guys on the ground. So the, the intent is to try and take the heat out, slow it down, slow the spread, um, and let the guys on the ground get there to mop it up, put it out, uh, be able to get closer without the effects of, uh, of, a, of a full wall fire. Now, there is a lot of times where even aircraft aren't effective. You know, yeah. it, can be, it can be a ridiculously uh, environmental day that, uh, that, that just causes a fire to be unstoppable, which, yep. which is you know, unfortunately becoming more and more common. Mm. But we can try and work to steer it, to, to uh, provide some barriers for it, to try and slow it down until the weather conditions change so that it can become a bit more manageable. So yeah, I, it, it, it's a team effort. The whole, mm. you know, aircraft aren't the saviors of the world. They're, they're a support mechanism for the guys on the ground. So, and this, and I know we've totally deviated from the whole reason we're having this conversation yeah. but I suppose it's, it's a good conversation to have yeah and it's I suppose it's to provide a bit more context for for moving into the drone space mm. um, you know drones are um, obviously an aircraft mm. um, so there's there's a regulated area it, it's, it's a heavily regulated space um, and because of that I think that's where a bit of the understanding needs to to come from the, the rest of the community is that they are considered aircraft and mm. QFES has now become a as of February 2020 uh, we are a commercial provider of, of an aircraft service being mm. drones so we are just as uh, just as regulated as everybody else out there mm. um, I suppose being an emergency service we have some uh, some allowances and we've had plenty of discussions with Nat, with, with CASA about the likes of operating within three nautical miles of mm. controlled aerodromes and having those permissions and working through the steps and having the procedures to to be able to do that but yeah it's uh, it's it's the intent is to try and make it an additional tool yep. in the toolbox right so where other aircraft conventional crewed aircraft are um, a, a significant asset to have on a fire ground just as drones will be as mm. well and, uh, and they're starting to, to work their way into it um, more and more we're still um, as QFES in our infancy for it yep. and yeah, we're progressing along. And I think Tell me when I've spoken too much. No, way, no, no. Feel, I could, free, feel free to interrupt. Mate, I could talk to you all day about this stuff <laughs> but, I, but I know you're on, you're on a time frame so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we only go for another 10 minutes or so. <laughs> but I think what the point you make... I don't want to bore your audience either. That would, no, they, that would they, be terrible. They soak it up. They love it. <laughs> um, and, I, and what you said before is really important. You know, Drones are a tool in the toolbox. They're, they're not the silver bullet. They're not going to be the thing necessarily that's always going to do everything that we can possibly need. And I, I feel that our industry, that the, un, the uncrewed system industry, kind of fails in that sometimes because they think that drones, 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 all we need to worry about is drones, whereas um, you know, being reminded that it's just one tool that we can utilise is, is quite important. I'm, I'm very glad you say that. I mean, it's a, it is something that, like... It is an understanding that we would like to get out there. Is, mm. is that they, they are a tool. They mm. are an effective tool. They are a very good tool. And it's a technology that is only getting better and better and better. Mm. Um, and it'll become more effective. It'll become more automated. Yep. Um, uh, but I suppose the, the thing to, to realise is that that's still working in the background. Mm. Um, I believe the, the presentation before, um, you know, there, was, there was, I guess, concern that it was becoming too much of a reliance on drones or save everything and and I don't know maybe if it's a hundred years in the future they <laughs> yeah. probably will yeah um, but you know at the moment and for the for the next I guess foreseeable future of five to five to ten years in, mm. in this current environment um, 
you know, they, they are an extra tool. And, and for us, it's, it's an intelligence gathering tool. It's, yeah. It's giving that information to, to uh, the, the people that are running the incident. And it can be any type of incident, flood, fire, yep. car crash, you know, hazmat kind of job, you know, anything. It's, it's trying to give that information to that person to make those decisions and, and be able to make safe decisions for the, for the betterment of their crew plus the, the, the other people that are involved. And providing that situational awareness to people to see what's what's going on exactly. on the ground, yeah, and yeah. Um, I know some of the stuff I've seen that Army's done before as part of bushfire assist is even uh, flying aircraft out in front of fires to find where those spot fires are lighting, so they can then be targeted by, by people as well. Absolutely, um, you know that's a really quick and effective and efficient way. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just providing intelligence. You know, QFAS or, or the lead agency might say, you know what, we're not worried about that. We're going to focus on something else. So exactly, um, exactly, yeah. and you, you, you're spot on. You're spot mm-hmm. on. Like the, the ability to be able to uh, to, to find where. A fire is about to go mm. and, uh, and, and that's, that can be quite evident um, from a, a, a thermal imagery perspective you can, you can see the difference and um, uh, from a, a, a raging fire as to where the embers are going because you can see them dotting their way across the sky so mm. and it's it's not uncommon to have large bushfires in a in not so great conditions but spotting you know, four five ten twenty I think at one point there was uh, uh, a fire down south that had like embers going 40 kilometres or something. You know, don't hold me to that, but that's yeah, a, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's a it's such a long distance that it just boggles the mind that something so hot that could start another part of a bushfire. Yeah, could go so far. You know. It's it's, uh, it's somewhat terrifying. Just and I remember it, it is, it I've is. always had a bit of an infatuation with um, with I guess fire and fireys from I remember back in Hopefully 90. Not that kind of infatuation. Not not that infatuation, yeah, but yeah. I've always been interested in it. And, uh, <laughs> back from '94 when, when we had the uh, the fires um, down in Sydney, and yeah. I remember being uh, you know I was a young probably was fairly young I was probably only ten or so, but I remember being down at Manly Beach and looking up the sky and it's being a, a, a red sky and a bright red sun. You're, and, you're um, talking the 94 or 96 fires? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 94 or whatever they were. But, um, I was the same, I was down at Bateman's Bay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I remember we, we were living at Bagel Heights at the time actually and I remember Dad being up on the roof, yep. hosing the roof down as the embers were landing yep. um, and not really you know, thinking about or understanding that till I became an adult thinking, you know, it was quite a precarious time. There was fire on the, on the you know, back doorstep of, of Bagala really, so yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Um, so shifting tax slightly, um, <laughs> and we're back to the topic. <laughs> I like where it just goes off on random <laughs> random things. Um, so we've talked about bushfires a lot, but how else, how else is QFAS using um, using drones outside of the bushfire type use? All right. Um, basically, anything you think you want information for, mm-hmm. um, and, and I guess intelligence gathered, um, you can use a drone for. Mm-hmm. Sim- similarly to uh, to. A conventional aircraft with a with a, a crew person on board, we we call them air observers or air attack supervisors. Yep. You know, a, a drone would be able to do it in a well under our REOC at the moment, a, a slightly smaller scale. So the so we've we've attended floods. Um, we had drones operating when the uh, Townsville floods were going. Yep. Um, we'll do searches. We'll work with uh, QPS to conduct searches through uh, through our state emergency service um, uh, people, and they will they do a. a bang up job of that like we uh, we've got some really really good results and I guess other times we've got some not so yep. fortunate <laughs> results but uh, but you know it's 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 yet another tool mm. and um, uh, being able to uh, to pop a drone up while you're doing a search in an area that's um, uh, you've got a lot of people searching mm. um, and being able to pick up a, a heat signature or, or see something that uh, that somebody else is uh, unable to see at the ground I mean it's you you hit it on the head before with the situational awareness it's mm. being able to provide that, that 
eye in the sky mm. and then relay that eye in the sky to, to somebody to be able to interpret that information, turn it into intelligence. Yeah. And what about day-to-day operations? You know, typical typical fires that, that fires are headed to, you know, house fires and, and um, large commercial building fires. Is, is there applications you're using in, in those instances? Absolutely. I think one of the things that, um, that, that's been a, a real winner is the likes of being able to see solar panels. Okay. So solar panels because, you know, during the day with a, with a fire going... Um, Solar panel can you, you can cut the power to the house, but the, the solar panel is yeah right so, it keeps uh, panel yeah, exactly good right. point. Yeah. So then you suddenly douse it with water, and you've got a potential problem there. <laughs> right? So being able to actually see if a house has solar panels is, yep. is one thing. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely got some application there. You can uh, you can also you know potentially pop it up even higher to have a bit of a look as to where the smoke might be uh, might be heading. Because as you can yep. understand, a, a house fire there's all kinds of things burning, burning. Right? There's, you know, wood paint you know. particularly big industrial estate fires oh, and things like yeah, those who massive, knows what's going on massive chemical yeah. fires so the, the ability to be able to sort of pan around and see where that smoke is going and, and pick a direction based on what the drone is telling you mm. um, is, is awesome you can you know see the integrity of a roof or, or find out if uh, you know send it around the back of a building or something like that to be able to, to see what might be happening there and uh, you know so as you can appreciate, some industrial buildings are right next to other industrial buildings. <laughs> so sending a, uh, and if you know, one is roaring away, uh, sending a fiery to go and try and get to the back end of that could, mm. could be hazardous to mm. I, I, I don't know. But then there's the ability for a drone to be able to do that yep. reasonably quickly. So, and stay there and be able to see what's going on. You're showing the incident controller what's happening. So, yeah, it, absolutely, there's there's many different applications um, for. For, for drones within QFES and, and we are trying to apply them mm. uh, to every application we can think of. So. And, and where are we going in the future? I have this, I have this, um, I don't know, childlike uh, thought that we're going to see, you know, fire trucks leaving fire stations and drones taking off from the from the truck or the fire station and being overhead of the fire once the truck gets there and already providing situational awareness because they're they're using little iPads in the back of the truck on the way. Kind of like what they're doing in California. Kind of what they're doing in California. Yeah, yeah. Where, where are we going to go in the future? What do you think is is a perfect state in 2030, 2040? You know, <laughs> maybe not perfect state, but but where, what's what's the art of the possible? Do you think? Oh God. Should have warned you about that question. But I guess, the, is there an answer to it, though? Yeah. Do, do you know, like, here, here we go, let's get philosophical, <laughs> shall we? You know, um, Confucius say. <laughs> Technology seems to change so fast. Mm. Um, you know, the, the drone types are reasonably consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're going you're gonna to find much there. Give or take one powered by, I don't know, rockets or hummingbirds or something like that but mm. you know multi-rotors fixed wings uh, VTOL um, you know look, those kind of types are, are probably consistent so the, the the variety of drones you'll see out there will range in size they'll get mm. bigger they'll become more sophisticated the systems that are operating them um, will, will get better get more reliable get um, and you know, that's not to say that they're unreliable at the moment but mm. you know I think the um, and, and in the, the presentation that I was in, you know, one of the themes that was that was coming up was about trust from the community, trust in the community, trust in the drones from the community and the people operating them. So, you know, having that technology evolving to the point where um, you know, that level of trust is built yeah. up um, is is phenomenal, mm. um, and it's it's endless to be honest. Um, but I guess the the thing to keep in mind is that it is a tool. Mm. People will use it as a tool. Mm. So, um, 
uh, you know, dr- drones will exist into the future. Yeah. Um, they will be able to do more and more things. Uh, they will be bigger. They'll go for longer. They'll be uh, able to, uh, to to integrate into airspace a hell of a lot easier. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I I, I don't. I don't have a distinct answer for 2030. Where would I like to see it? I'd like to see uh, more of them. Yep. Uh, I'd like to see the ability to um, <laughs> more affordable. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> I, mean, I think that's that's where a lot of things is going as well. There's new technologies coming out, and you know, government doesn't mean cash cow. So you know, I, I have a fiscal responsibility to mm. uh, to, to everybody. So. Um, uh, you know, so I've got to be able to get the most cost-effective items. So some of the some of the coolest toys out there could be, you know, fantastic, do absolutely everything, but not affordable. Yeah. You know, so and and um, I'd probably equate us to being able to, you know, just like any other member of the community, and being able to afford that kind of equipment. Mm. That that would be about where I'm equating it. So, you know, fantastic solutions in a more cost-effective package is probably where I'd like to see it. Yeah. And I guess I'll, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, and, and um, I'll make this the last question before I let you scamper away, but um, I'd like to see better airspace integration and quicker airspace integration and, and probably a meeting at the centre of you know manned and uncrewed or crewed and uncrewed systems mm-hmm. um, into the future. What are your thoughts on that whole airspace integration Absolutely. piece? Absolutely. It's critical. Hmm. Absolutely critical. The the drones might be getting smarter, but the pilots that are crewing the, the main aircraft, that's not to say they're getting dumber, but it's, mm. you know, the, the systems have to catch up. Mm. Um, you know, people talk about ADS-B, but not every aircraft is fitted with ADS-B. Um, the, the ability to uh, to um, uh, provide that separation or those kind of systems to be able to identify that, hey, I've got something over here, mm. right? doesn't necessarily mean you have to identify it to the nth degree, but hey, tell me that there's something over here and then work with me to get away from it, mm. as well as it identifying that something is there, crude or uncrewed, mm. and and separating in the same instance. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really, really important part of the future for drones mm. is getting that right. Yeah. Being able to to maintain that separation or not, you know, and and the awareness of that separation. So, you know, having a drone working its way out of a conflict mm. is one thing. Not just identifying it's about to be in conflict, but then possibly, taking the actions, possibly working to do it. But then, mm. you know, how do you how do you teach something that by moving this way to avoid that conflict, <laughs> it's not about to create another <laughs> conflict? You know, so yeah, it, it's the. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see where it is in five years, in ten mm. years, in, in twenty years. You know, like there's there's so much potential here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I might uh, I might pull it up yeah. there. Um, that guy. That's, that's your other colleagues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Marty, we might pull it up there. Um, no uh, just be in in because uh, I know you've got a lot to do and you need to get out of here this afternoon too, um, mate. Thank you for, for what you guys do and thank you to the fire brigade. Um, you know more generally, in, you know for the community service you guys provide, um, it's outstanding and it's right up there with uh, with some of the best. So, uh, Marty, thanks very much and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. My absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers.